Chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Let's pray and then we'll read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before your throne, the author and the finisher. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that makes it alive and real in our souls. Father, thank you for our sanctification, salvation, and the glory of you in your people. Father, I thank you for your precious church, the bride of Christ. Father, I thank you that you've drawn us this day to worship in spirit and in truth. Father, may we, uh, may we never take this for granted. May we rejoice every time we have the privilege of coming together. Thank you, Father. Thank you for a time to worship, a time to see, a time to have it explained. And may your spirit make it real in our lives. To your glory and praise. Amen. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which is given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and in all earnestness, and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love also. The Apostle Paul has dealt with the reconciliation of the relationship between him and the church in Corinth. And he immediately moves into chapter 8, verse 1, with the word now, meaning now that that has been reconciled and we're all on the same page, let's get back to some of the practical stuff. What we've been looking at is a biblical view of giving. And one of the things that I have watched in the churches is um, it is either ignorance or rebellion in how we give. Because I've already gone through it. You can go back and you can get online and hear all the messages that I have preached. When you start looking at wealth, where did wealth come from? God made it. The ability to attain wealth, where did that come from? God did it. All right. And so one of the things that I have watched in my life in ministry is many people don't have because they don't utilize what they do have. And, you know, and I know what debt is. Please. Um, I didn't just fall into this planet. But I can tell you this. If debt is now your master, sell your assets and pay it off. Well, but that's my favorite fishing boat. I would get back on the right page with God. Because, see, the Macedonians, I've told you, that was a horrible place. That was an 
an impoverished place. And they understood that it was the grace of God. And I think that you and I, at times, we like to sing about grace. And we sometimes we will badger God that perhaps we need more grace. But the truth of the matter is, you already have it. And, and I think about the church in America is the single most blessed entity on the planet. And probably, if you're really honest and want to go back through history... There has never been a group of believers ever so blessed as the church that exists in America. And yet, I have seen poorer people give way far beyond what the Americans do. We've looked at it, so it is giving is by God's grace. God has given it to us. Let us give it. Let us put ourselves in a position that God says, I need this. We do it. Don't ask why. Okay? Because we also look that God's, that giving is not based on our circumstances. All right? We looked at this church in Macedonia, three churches we know of, Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi. And they had a great ordeal of affliction. Okay? Paul has a, a tendency sometimes when he changes topics to pile words. And that's what that is. Okay, because what he's saying is this great ordeal had to do with the fact that their metal was being tested. They don't have a lot. But the affliction is that from the outside. Because there would have been the persecution of the Gentiles. There would have been the persecution of the Jews. But they also had to deal with awful, awful economy high tax rate, and the oppression of the Roman Empire. And yet, even in that testing, that great ordeal of affliction, as they were going through this, they gave out of their poverty. Out of their poverty. So, they had a motive because it was God's grace. Remember the phrase, and my God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus? Who was that written to? The Philippians. A church in Macedonia. Okay? But I also want you to look there in the second part of verse 2. That giving, yes it is in God's grace. Because I understand that's my motive. I understand God's grace to me. But now I also understand it's not based on my circumstances. Most of the people that you see in the church in America right now will base their giving on their circumstances. Okay? Gas prices went up. I'm going to have to give a little less. Okay? Now, there's a lot of people who live paycheck to paycheck. Okay? I know several people right now who are working for temporary businesses. And they go in, they show up, and they hope to get a job that day. Okay, but you know what? I've watched some of these people and they still give. What do you do with the widow and her two mites? Okay, the Lord Himself, watching her, said she gave more than all, and that'll become very clear. Because another thing that you have to understand is that giving has to be in joy. Because look at what He says next. He says that in great ordeal of affliction. Their abundance of joy 
Okay, that's amazing to me. Because they're not doing it out of duty. Okay, they're not doing it out of pressure. They're not doing it. You know, the Apostle Paul said we ought to be given some cash here. We probably ought to come up with some coin. Right? That's not what they're doing. They're doing it out of an abundance of joy. Okay? They weren't just obeying. You know, and it's, it's, it's not even that uh, I'm just willing to do it. They were happy to do it. Abundantly. Abundantly means it was not reluctant. Okay, let me show you something we'll look at more in depth in a few weeks. But uh, chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must do just as he is purposed where? In his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves cheerful giver. The churches in Macedonia are a picture of cheerful giving, an abundance of joy. It didn't matter how they were. It didn't matter their poverty. It didn't matter their persecution. They were looking at the grace of God and the privilege of doing it. They gave in an abundance. The abundance means in a surplus of joy. Linsky, the commentator, said it this way. (laughs) Quote, made a joy of robbing themselves. Unquote. Okay? They were happy to rob themselves. They were poor. And I'm thinking that the sacrificial giving is not really helping their poverty. And they were happy to sacrifice. It was joyous to them. And you know what? When I read that, I, I kind of just get... How deep was the Macedonians' devotion to the Lord? How deep was their devotion to his kingdom? How deep was their devotion to his church? They are giving sacrificially, putting themselves in a worse position to brothers and sisters that they ain't never met. They were giving above their pain, above their sorrow, above their circumstances. And you know what? Even in doing that, they had joy in spite of all of that. Listen, and it's not a joy based on comfortable circumstances. You know, we can have a nice house and nice furnishings and and cars and vacations. And we can sit around and smile and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Macedonians weren't doing that. It was such a deep joy that the circumstances had no ability to touch it. Their sufferings had no issue. And they were able to do what Paul had told the Philippians. Rejoice! Again I say, rejoice. Rejoice always. Listen, we watch us. 
And, and, and it's, it's a blanket statement. We rejoice in our circumstances. And the Macedonians didn't. They didn't rejoice in their circumstances. Not only in their circumstances, but even making their circumstances more difficult. With their generosity, they still had joy. Spiros Zodiades made this statement, and I quote, Their joy was to divest themselves of what little they had, unquote. That's tough for us. It's tough for us. Uh, before I got saved, I spent some time down in South America. And one of the delicacies in South America is uh, spider monkey. And if you're ever out in the sticks wandering around, my thought was, how in the world do you catch one of them suckers? I mean, it, it, they're, they're like uh, bats. They ding, ding, boink, boink, and they're just bouncing everywhere. But um, they would harvest or hunt them or whatever. So I was talking to one of the native guys. I says, how in the heck... Do you catch those little buggers? He says, well, it's easy. He says, we just take a jug and we'll take something shiny and stick it in that. He says, it can be the wrapping off a piece of gum or something to that effect. Just something shiny. We stick it down in a jug, but we tie the jug to a, a, a stick on a, on a short rope. The monkey wants the shiny thing. And what they'll do is they'll come, they'll see that shiny thing and they'll reach down in that shiny thing and then they grab it and when they grab it what happens they make a fist now their hand will not come back out the hole but they will not let go of that and they can come by with a stick and crush their heads because they will not let go of that shiny thing I call it the monkey syndrome people go what well you had to have been there you know what? That syndrome's alive and well in the church. Stick my hand in that jug, and that shiny thing is mine, and I'm holding on to it, and I don't care if you smack me in the head with a ball bat. Macedonians weren't that way. See, their joy was the fact that they were laying up treasure in heaven. Their joy was in seeking the kingdom of God. Their joy was that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Their joy was knowing that God of creation would give back greater measure than what their standard was. So they gave. Okay, now, I want you to think about this because that joy... Have you ever heard people give you a bad attitude? You ever, you ever heard that statement? Or that person stole my joy or something like that? No, they didn't. You just did it. Why? It's a heart condition. Okay? If, if You know, that person just made me mad. That's your heart. It ain't his or hers. Because if you understand the grace of God, then you understand the joy of God, the peace of God, peace with God. 
the Macedonians gave because their hearts were right and that's what God is looking for. Which brings me to a fourth point. Their giving is not stopped by their poverty. Okay? Listen, in spite of their deep poverty, they had abundance of joy and their deep poverty. Listen, they had high taxes, high cost of living, slavery, persecution. They had very little. Most people in the Macedonian region live day to day. And Paul wants us to know how little they had. So he uses some bizarre words. That word there you see, deep poverty. Katabathos. Katabathos. Kata, anytime you see kata, it is to intensify it. All right. According to the depth. Okay. If I was going to give you the translation for it, I would call it the pits. Rock bottom. You can't get lower. Okay, because the word has to do with according to its depth. Okay, what he's saying is it is at the bottom of that depth, whatever that measurement is. That's their deep poverty. Then you look at the word poverty. It's Tokaya. Tokaya. Right. Um, this, for the Greek language, is the most difficult kind of poverty. It literally has in it, in its basis, to shrink, to cower, to beg. That's the term he's in. The bottom of it can't get no lower. Cower and beg. It has to do with the mindset of the embarrassment. has to do with the shame of it. Um, it, it, it. It's what you and I would call destitute. It is a person who is reduced to nothing. It's a person who has nothing. They're just barely existing. You see it in Luke 14, 21. This word poverty, and he's speaking of cripples, blind, lame, and beggars. This is the term that is used to speak of Lazarus in Luke 16, who had the sores on him, and he was so weak that the dogs were licking the sores, and he was hoping that a crumb would fall off the table. See, you had poor is used in a different phrase, a different word, and that is the working poor. That's those that would gather. Remember, uh, the, the landowner would gather the people and would pay them so much for the day. And some were coming at, at, in the morning and some were coming at noon, and some were, but they were all getting paid the same. That's the day laborers. That's not this word. Out of their rock bottom nothing... They gave generously. How in the world do they do that? Remember I shared you the story about the orphans of World War II? Kids wouldn't sleep at night. 
giving him three meals a day. They had him in a camp. They were teaching him. They were trying to get him to adjust and all the rest of it. And they realized that none of the kids were sleeping at night. So what they ended up doing, what they reasoned is, they would go just before they put the kids to bed. They would go and they would give them a loaf of bread. And they would tell them, here, you can have that. And the kids would hold on to that knowing that they knew they had a meal in the morning. And they could sleep. You and I as Christians have a loaf of bread. It's called Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all of your needs in Christ Jesus. Give and it shall be given. The Macedonians had their faith in the right place. They knew they could not outgive God. They also knew that it was more blessed to give than to receive. They lived by faith, not by sight. They had God's loaf of bread. They had their hand on the promises of an eternal God, a gracious God, a loving God, an omnipotent God. They trusted Him for their very future. Because you and I have the same problem. And it always creeps through. Just right over here, and it just cruises right on through and hangs around in your frontal lobe. I'd give more if I had more. Macedonians didn't have anything. And they gave more. And I will be honest with you, no, you wouldn't. Listen, giving is not a matter of what you have. Please understand that. It is a function of the heart. See, what you're devoted to is what you give to. You don't need more. You don't need to wait for more to give. Let me ask you a question. Go back to the widow's mites. Two half cents. Two little copper coins. Is that a tithe? And Jesus looked at her and said, she gave more than all the rest. Why? Look at her heart. She gave it all. Why? God has given me my loaf. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful with a little, you will be faithful with much. It's not an issue of how much you have. The issue is your heart. What do you put your faith in? Now, you're all here on Sunday morning. you got your Bible studies you attend. you got things going on. I put my faith in it. What does your checkbook say? What does your credit card statement say? Because that's the hard issue. That's the hard issue. If you hold Philippians 4.19, then where is your future? In the good hands, people. The Lord Jesus Christ. He will meet your 
needs. And you know what? You'll realize you have no problems. Think about, on the average day, how much each and every one of us think about our finances. Think about it. Think about how much conflict in relationships there are based on. But you open a dollar. I got a dollar right here in my pocket. And it says, and who do you trust? You see what I'm trying to get at? We'll, we'll, yeah, I got, I got a little fish bumper sticker on my car. Well, that means your car's saved. Because if you're going to look at the Macedonians and you understand the depth of their poverty, and yet they gave sacrificially and generously, the common logic there is, if you're that poor, why are you giving yourself into a deeper poverty? They didn't put their eyes on here. God will meet our needs. When you do that, you know where your future is. When you do that, you realize you really don't have a problem. Giving up what God has put on your heart is so easy. How much you have is not the issue. The generosity of the heart is the issue. The heart that gives, not based on the amount but that is sacrificial and generous is the heart that says, I trust you, Lord. The Macedonians gave. And you know what? They barely had enough to live and they still gave out of that poverty. They sacrificed of themselves to get extra to give it away. Have you ever thought about that? Let me cut down on my expenses so I can give more away. Well, that's just not rational. The Macedonians' giving is an example to the Corinthians. But it is also an example to you and I. Why? Because the heart is exposed. Okay? Fifthly. Their giving was generous. Generous. This is an amazing phrase. This took me a while to get through this. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, and so it's taken me several months to get through this. In spite of their condition. Okay. Again, Paul's doing the piling up of words. He says here, their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Okay. Um, their giving was generous, right? Um, the word there that is in the Greek for overflowed is has to speak of a river leaving its banks. Um, it has to do with gushing water, um, like a, a fountain that has gone ballistic, uh, like a well that just a spewing water. It's over the brim. It has to do with it's abundant. It's super abundant. Their poverty, in fact, is a fact. Okay? Yet their giving literally overflowed. 
you see the Bible teach a lot on wealth and riches. You see it in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay. But he's speaking of their wealth here. And the wealth that he's speaking of. Now, you need to really get a hold of this one. He's not speaking of their money. He's not speaking of their houses, their possessions. They were rich in their liberality. Did you get that? You will. Again, back to the heart attitude. Their riches had to do with their heart. Okay? The normal heart is what? You can say it. Stingy. Okay? Their heart was generous, liberal. See, this word here in the New American Standard, because when I read through this, it says, they overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. And as, as an American, you're like, uh, what? Okay? And then so I was kind of searching around for this thing, and I thought, well, maybe what he's trying to say is they were generous. So I had to go back to some old books that I've had for years and years and years that I really don't like to use because these guys who wrote these books probably never had cable TV, probably have no idea what a motorcycle is, and they just sit in a dingy old room with pencils and scratch things. Okay? The word that you see there, liberality, is a compound word, and the first part of the word is alpha. Okay? That's the alpha of the Greek. And when you put that in the front of a Greek word, it means the opposite. Okay? So he's got an alpha, and then the word would literally be duplicit. So it's going to be the opposite of duplicit. Everybody's eyes is glazing over because that's what I did. I was going, I'm glad I'm following this. Let me give you Terry's definition. It's the opposite of being double-minded. Good word right there, buddy. They were overflowing in wealth of not being double-minded. Generosity, sincerity, liberality has the idea, but the idea is basically that it is a single-mindedness. And Paul says that is wealth. Listen, that's a wondrous way to see generosity. Think about this. Generosity is an attitude that defeats duplicity. Okay, duplicity. Let me give you the American illustration of duplicity. I see you have a need. But. I must take care of me, too. That's duplicity. I would love to meet your needs. But. I have needs that are needing to be met. That is double-mindedness, duplicity. 
But I have a concern for myself and, of course, my family. But I have a concern for you. That's duplicity. That's a trouble. Listen, if I give a little and I keep a little, it'll be fine. This text says that that's not what the Macedonians did. They were single-minded. They were literally rich in their single-mindedness. Paul says that is a source of wealth. That is a state of a devoted Christian. Why? A devoted Christian has no regard for self. When you step into that picture, duplicity is gone. The battle for a little for you and a little for me is ended. There is no battle. Now, I hope you're getting this because in Philippians 2, he says, you must humble yourself considering what? Others more important than yourself. Do you see what that is? That's the end of duplicity. It's a single-mindedness. Do I have more concern for others? Do I love my brother as my self? The Macedonians were rich in this. That's why their giving is generous. They were not rich. We've already looked at their poverty, their deep poverty, and yet overflowed in the wealth of their liberality, single-mindedness. They were rich in single-mindedness. They were rich in selflessness. They were rich in humility. They were rich in their devotion to others and to God. Their generosity came from having a single purpose to put others First, my single purpose is to put God first. And what would God have me do? Well, he wants you to give. Purposes of Paul. You have to listen to him. Why? He's God's messenger. Listen, please, I want you to understand. It's not the amount It's the richness of their hearts. Listen, that is what God evaluates. He doesn't evaluate your bank account. What does your heart say? That's what he measures. I hear the, the, the big buzzword now in the evangelical community is Jesus is a relationship. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. Do you understand the implications of that? Okay, you want that relationship? Are you sure? Because that's 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 what everybody it's we're just gonna have a relationship. Alright. <laughs> Sounds good. You're gonna be single minded about it, right? Oh yeah. Okay. And then you just smile at him, duck. <laughs> the wi- widow gave two copper coins. She gave more than all the rest. 
Why? What was God measuring? And it's just like I told you. Jesus was sitting at the temple watching these people give. And some people had ceremony. And some people give big old bags of coins and all the rest of it. He watched her give two, basically a penny. Took two half cents, two mites to make a penny. She dropped it in there and he told his disciples, look, she gave more than all of them. Why? She didn't tithe. She gave because she knew that God would supply all of her needs. She's a widow. You understand that, right? There wasn't no women's lib going on. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to go down and get a job at the factory. Nope. She had to have somebody taking care of her. And the reason that she gave more than all the rest is because her heart had no duplicity. Paul wants the Corinthians to not have duplicity. Corinthians would have been very wealthy. Very wealthy. Way, way, way more wealthy than the Macedonians. And he says, I want you to be rich like the Macedonians in unselfishness. I want you to be single-minded in your generosity. These precious saints in Macedonia, having very little, gave sacrificially. Why? They were single-minded. Single-minded. Because they understood the grace of God. They looked at the grace of God, and that was their motive. They also gave because it was not based on their circumstances. Their poverty had no influence over them. They gave because it brought them great joy. And their poverty didn't slow it down or stop it. Their giving reflected their hearts. And they were generous because they were single-minded. Think about this every day, brothers and sisters, because you think about all the things that try to draw your thinking processes every day. We have a whole industry that does it. It's advertising. You need, you want, you deserve. And they say it long enough, we believe them. And then all of a sudden you realize that you have double-mindedness. What an example to us. They had so little and gave so much. We have so much and too many give so little. God's not asking us to strip ourselves to poverty. Please understand that. I've covered that in detail over the last few months. If you don't remember it, it's online somewhere in the cloud. God's not asking us to be poor, but he is asking us to be generous. And you know what? I got only one question to ask. How's the heart? How's the heart? Are you going to be generous to the measure of sacrifice? Or do you want to do a concert and I'll do it for free and we'll take donations and to help the suffering people. And yet you've got more money 
than you will raise in your concert. Oh, yeah. Trust God. He will meet your needs. I was talking to a a precious saint not too long ago. And um, he, in his, the industry he was in, he uh, ended up with a disability. And uh, he, he made pretty good money, but his disability was about a third of what they had originally lived on. His wife did not work, um, but um, he came home and he told his wife, he says, now, we can't stop giving just because I'm making less. And so they, they were in agreement. And um, they had a dear friend of theirs who's, I call him a roving pastor. He, he moved through the countryside from churches to churches. And the guy had a passion. Actually, the whole community where they're at had a passion for elderly, um, widows, um, the main industry around there produced a lot of widows. Um, and so the, he had a passion for it. And this pastor, that was his thing. Uh, unbeknownst to my friend, um, a lady that this man had pastored to had died. And he had promised her, don't you worry at your death. I will pay for your funeral. And then she died. And he was notified of her death. And um, he didn't have a penny. So he begins the uh-oh type thing. I promised this precious saint that I would make sure she had a funeral. She was buried, uh, a tombstone and all the rest of it. At that same time, my friend had lost his job, was going on to disability, and he said... We've got to send him some money. And so he told his wife three times. It was on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Finally, she sent the check money order on Wednesday. And he had no idea that this man was struggling to figure out how to bury this woman. He says, but a week later, he received a note from this pastor. It only had three words on it. Just in time. And it was just enough to bury that woman. Do I trust him? What are you going to do with your money? Here's what we do. We take care of our needs, our family. We save, we plan for the future. Wise stewardship. And we give. Scripture is clear. God has given... He has given everyone in this room richly, and you are to enjoy it. But he wants us to enjoy it. As long as you have the heart of the Macedonians, you will respond when it's time to give. If not... And I have seen this, I, I, I... 
Don't even know how many illustrations I can give you, but I'll give you just the one. If you don't, you've got your hand in the jug, and when are they going to knock your head off? You hold on tightly to the little shiny thing, that will be it. That will be it. Do you thank God for how good He has been to us? Each and every single one of us. I know. Everybody in here, I guarantee you, everybody in here has fallen on financial troubles. Right? I I just about bet on it. Okay? I'd also bet that most of our financial problems was our fault. Just an idea. And I will give you the same counsel that I've been given over and over and over again. If you're too much in debt to give to the Lord, then you're a monkey with your hand in a jug. And you need to start liquidating assets to get out of debt. And then you have to know that my God will supply all your needs. But if you keep your hand in that jug holding on that little shiny thing, don't come crying to me. Because I couldn't even eat that delicacy. It was gross. It looked like a... Yeah, just think about it for a second. You, They bring it out, you're like, oh my God, I ain't eating that. <laughs> well, it's a monkey. No, I don't care. <laughs> I was, amen, vegetarian. Enjoy it as long as you have the right heart. Thank God. Some don't have because of the way they've mishandled their wealth. And you know what? You need to get on the road back. They call that repentance. Get out of debt. Follow the model of the Macedonians. And God, my God, will supply all of your needs. Hold nothing tightly. there is a need then give then give and I'll close with this single thought I challenge every single one of you see if God can outgive you knock yourselves out let's pray Father to your glory and praise thank you I pray that these people and myself will continue to remember the grace of God and that we are but stewards of the wealth you have given us. Father, I pray that we don't base our giving on circumstances. Pray that we give an abundance of joy and I pray that we do not uh, stop because of our poverty and I pray that our giving will be generous. And Father, I pray that in each and every one of us you do a heart work that we may understand What a privilege it is to be in this country first, to be a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Father, to have the wealth that most of the rest of this planet can't even comprehend. We love you, Lord, and we thank you to your glory and praise. Amen.